0: Welcome back to Geek Life, the Indie Comics Podcast on Pandamanga.com. I'm JP, as always with me is my fearless co host, Marcus. What does the Fox say? What does the Marcus say? Marcus says, Yaki, Yaki, Yaki ho. <laughs> now, their other co host is uh, actually broken down on the side of the road, and his like super rad, bright orange Chevy Nova is Nova it's just not going today it uh it's really unfortunate actually we normally carpool over to the studio
1: were you making a comic book joke a second ago nova because there's a character called nova and nova, like
0: no go did you oh, hear about that okay. like when the nova came out in in mexico everybody was like the no go i'm not buying that that's a terrible idea anyway so poor joe is stuck on the side of the road just like he got real close <laughs> he goes oh Almost, almost, almost to the studio.
2: The Uh, price you have of having a badass muscle car that
0: looks cool. (laughs) Occasionally it's unreliable. That (sighs) seems to be the challenge. Anyway, so with us, of course, also we have John Harder from Waterfront Comics and waterfrontcomics.com. Hello, everyone. And with us again, we have Neuro. Hello. And our battle axe, Pinku. Bonjour. (laughs) So today's subject, actually, we're going to talk a little bit about, well, something on the more creative side, the creator side, as it were. John and I were hanging out the other day and we were talking about some of the frustrating things that independent comic artists tend to do. Mm -hmm. Talking about the difference between professional and indie in comparison to amateur and professional. You can have independent art that is at a professional level or at an amateur level. And some of the mistakes that people tend to make and and still want, you know, they come into the store, of course, and they're like, Hey, John, sell my comics. And John's like, mm, maybe not. <laughs> so he's going to share some of his thoughts about what indie creators can do to improve their chances of getting onto the shelves of comic shops. So uh, we're just going to kind of a casual talking podcast. John has a couple talking points and some suggestions for us. And we'll just sort of uh, just sort of have a good conversation about it. So, John, take it away.
2: Well, first, I want to preface this by saying my opinions are based on me owning a comic store in a suburban area. You know, things may be different if it was like an urban area In like, say, I was James Sime that owns Isotope in San Francisco.
0: Because there are some comic shops, especially in San Francisco, that are, are known for carrying indie comics. That's yeah. kind of their thing. Well, I imagine yeah. they have a higher
3: volume too, so they
0: you can be
2: less picky in those situations. Yeah, and the clientele may be a little bit different.
3: Well,
0: yeah, they're known for, like, that's where you go if you're an indie comics enthusiast. But that being said, I think
2: there are a lot more stores in suburban areas... Than urban areas sure And a couple of the ideas i'm gonna say will probably be universal to anything mm-hmm. the first thing i'm gonna say and i think this is universal to anyone is have a solid description of what your comic book is about um the diamond previews catalog gives you a hundred basically a hundred words to tell you what your comic book's about stick with that i mean one time i had these people come in and they had their independent comic that they wanted to me to carry in the store and i said. Okay, tell me what it's about. It was like blank face. And really? Yeah. And I'm like wow. Well tell me something about it. They're like, Well, it's kinda deals with extreme sports and Jesus and and I'm wow, like Bruce. that what, tells me what? nothing. You know
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> And and I tell them that, and I mean it's like a blank face, you know. Mm-hmm. They're like, Well, um so
0: that I think is number one. So you're saying have that prepare like a pitch? Yeah. Sort of like what you would have I mean, at a comics convention. When I mean, says, how would I about?
2: know what your comic book's about unless right. you could tell me? Right. You know, and I would almost think that it would behoove you to have it on, like, maybe like the back cover of the comic where someone oh, could just okay. be like, oh, you know, now I know what this is about. So that maybe. was going to be
0: my next question. Yeah. Should
2: they have it incorporated into the comic? I would almost say yes. Like, like maybe on the back cover or the mm-hmm. front cover, kind of like, this is what my comic book's about.
0: Go from here. It, you, you don't have the luxury of having something like the diamond stuff to do, yeah. right?
3: So, you mean there's a reason for standards.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, it also reminds me a lot of in business, You
3: got if you're starting a new company, you got to have an elevator pitch, which is supposed to be uh, oh, right. a description you give with a small, only about 30 seconds long that you could give someone an elevator to talk about your project. It should be
0: engaging and interesting and get the point across.
3: Yeah, I'm sure if you search the internet for how to create an
0: elevator pitch, it might help you with... So that uh, might be a good description to to throw in there. So, you know, be prepared for an elevator pitch.
1: So are there stories that you lean against and stories that you favor for your store?
0: You mean thematically,
1: Marcus? Uh, Anything. Like, say he hears uh, that someone wants to bring in their zombie comic book. Are you to the point where you're like, no more zombie comic books? I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. Or is it... I wouldn't say that, but I would... Be very cautious if it's an overly
2: adult comic. Mm. I mean, because you Which know, isn't uncommon. A lot of indie comics stray in that direction. Not. I'm not talking like adult themes. I'm oh, talking okay. like a full on sex book, oh, or I see, I see, you know what I'm saying. And that wouldn't match my quasi family friendly store. Sure, sure, sure. You know, I don't have like housewives at play out next to the Archie comics, right, and stuff like that.
1: So, Rapey
0: McGee will not be coming to Waterfront Comics yeah. anytime soon. Although we still do have, uh, Love and Rockets downstairs, which has a surprisingly large amount of sodomy, but that gets a free pass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. We, we came, so Joe, this is funny. Joe and I, when we were first doing, doing the podcast, we came into the store. This is before we really knew you very well. Um, you know, as friends and you know we were like oh we should we should get an independent comics we're doing independent comics on the website and so we went back and Joe's like oh love and rockets that's about as you know kind of famous independent as you can get and he grabbed one of the omnibuses of it and we got through it and we were like shit <laughs> this is a wow <laughs> well you probably don't have time to like read every single comic that comes in the store either right well it was just it was well, funny cuz yeah. we were taking it back cuz there was a couple I mean, there, was, there was a lot of it that was good but Joe came away from it. I just distinctly remember the line in one of our podcasts long ago where Joe said Yeah, there's a surprising amount of sodomy in this (laughs) yeah it's completely deadpan like he doesn't say anything well
3: he still sort of cringes when you mention love and rockets in general (laughs) it's
2: true and oddly enough i never realized that i don't know that yeah no well it's 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 i don't know love and rockets is is a trip i mean it's been like 35 years so it may have been one of the stories i missed in the 35 year run
0: yeah god there's so much love and rockets at this point right i mean it's just crazy so, Marcus, to put you on the spot, what would your elevator pitch for Maloman be, just as an example?
1: Uh, Mallow Man, my elevator pitch is the uh, same as my con pitch. It's a story about a crime-fighting marshmallow who has to save the world with his partner Bacon Boy in a world full of animated food products.
2: See, and right there, that's enough to make people want to read the first couple of pages.
1: Yeah, I mean, and then when he hears Bacon, they get excited, so... That's <laughs> true. Instant in.
2: <laughs> you know, hearing Extreme Sports and Jesus... I had no desire to even look at that comic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you so, probably felt really confused. I'm like, how do those
1: things go together? I again? mean,
2: if there's like any two things that are like is diametrically opposed to what John Harder likes, it would be that.
3: <laughs> so no life, goddessy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, it makes
3: me think that if it was a Japanese comic, they could make that pull that off for some reason. I can like see this happen. Well, oh, Well, there's you never a really know. good, um, I don't know, comic about like Jesus and Buddha being roommates in yeah, in exactly. Japan.
1: So, I would read that. That, yeah. that sounds yeah. really yeah. funny. Can it, Jesus put cool. his finger in water and make it in a Gatorade?
0: Oh,
3: no, but he does He's the other, greatest
0: yeah. at parties. Be like, hm,
1: Animals
3: can you do beer?
0: I want him to be able to do beer. <laughs> nah, wine.
3: Turn your beer into water? That sounds terrible, right? No,
0: your, your water into beer.
3: <laughs> oh, hey, yeah, okay. That's
0: <laughs> That would be the best. Extreme Jesus.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, man. <Frat> boy Jesus.
2: <laughs> Bro Jesus. My second point, and this might be a little touchy, is the price of the book. Hmm. That's huge, though. Comics, you know, people come into a comic book store expecting to pay for an average comic between three to four dollars, you know, and I see a lot of indie books, seven, eight, nine dollars. And I'm like, if people are going to do that, they're a couple dollars away from buying a trade downstairs. Yeah. You know, and I realize there are higher costs for creating indie comic, but you know, when I open up something and it says eight bucks, and it looks like something my thirteen-year-old could draw better. Sure, it's not something I'm going to carry in the store, or you know, or want to buy myself. And I imagine
3: since you're you're adding a middleman, like I got a con, at a con, you're selling directly to the consumer. Mm-hmm. But now they're
2: bringing it to a store. The store might have to have a margin. Yeah, there, that's right? my next point. And I guess we'll just continue on that. Is for me a four-dollar Marvel comic, I pay a dollar and eighty cents for. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay you much more for your book that's not going to... I know that isn't going to sell nearly as well as a Marvel comic that can occupy... a Marvel or DC comic that can occupy that space... And g- it'll and, get sold. Yeah, and generate more revenue. Mm-hmm. You know, so... You know, I know there's a lot of costs involved in indie comics, but it's almost like to the point, if you want to get it in stores, to look at it as kind of
0: like a loss leader. Well, you know, well, I wanted to, to jump back to your previous point uh, specifically about the cost... I think that when you are at a convention, your audience, as in the convention goers, are expecting to pay a little more than they would at a comic book store. They've already gone out of their way to spend their day going out to a convention, paying for admission, walking around, and they're there to patronize independent artists. I agree with that. You know, the people that wander around in the artist's alley, the people that go to the Alternative Press Expo, in theory, right, Marcus, are there to patronize the independent arts and support them. And it's almost like a donation-type mentality, where it's like I go into a independent comic convention, and I don't bat an eye at spending... X, Y, or Z on it, because I'm there to say, hey, what you're doing is worth doing, and I'm here to support art, support artists. But you can't you can't have that same attitude when you come into a store, because when you come into a store, like you were saying, people are expecting a certain amount already. Your audience is, I'm coming in and spending $3 on a comic, not I'm going to support the arts. That's not what they're here for. So if you want to hook them in with something at the store, that's not real.
3: Yeah, and uh, I think one of the things being there in person, too, when you buy a comic at a con, you can get a signature, too. So there's that possibility. You can get
0: a signature. Sometimes you can get a sketch. You can definitely get sketches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and if you if you have a good time. I mean, I've had people have a good conversation with somebody, and you purchase something of theirs, and they give you a print or whatever. I mean, it's and it's also more communal. You know, if, if the comic book artist is sitting at the store doing an event, then you're probably more likely to sell something instead of it just sitting on the shelf. I'm more likely to buy, as somebody who doesn't know anything about Mallow Man... Come up and buy Malaman from Marcus, even if he's at the comic book shop and I just happen to run and he's like, hey, I'm doing a new thing. It's Saturday. It's a busy day at the store. This is my new thing. This is my new issue. I'd be way more likely to do that when I go, hey, what's up? And He's like, oh, my name's Marcus. Check out my comic instead of wander into the store and then I'm looking at X-Men and then I see, oh, a marshmallow and I look at it. It's like it's harder to sell that because I'm going in there expecting to buy something that I already feel warm and fuzzy about. And the presence of the artist can kind of help bridge that gap of unfamiliarity. Yeah, you get that automatic salesman there. Yeah.
3: But wait, it almost goes back to your first point of having a really good description in the comic because the comic's going to have to sell
0: itself. I love that idea of having it in the comic because you very rarely see that. It's everybody, I think, is, assumes that they're going to be in a position of being at a convention or something like that. I think that everybody has in their mind... The dream of being at their local comic book shop. They grow up going there. They imagine, I would love to work in comics someday. And my greatest wonder would be able to walk into the store and see something of mine on the wall. But at the same time, I think it's interesting. I'm I'm so glad we're talking about this subject because we've bounced it around a little bit. And I'm really glad that we're really finally got our thoughts together and are really digging into it. Because it's something that I think a lot of people struggle with in the independent comic world. I personally, I think I'm going to start
1: splitting prices, like you're saying, uh, between cons and comic it's Separate prices. It,
0: it, it makes total
1: sense. I don't print prices on any of my comics. That is smart. Um, so I can do a different price point at a convention as opposed to when I distribute them to local comic book stores. I mean, unfortunately, it almost,
2: you know, I know how much now, after talking to you, how much it costs for you to print one of those comics. I mean, in my mind, it, when I was the first approach with it, I'm like, you should actually give me a higher discount than I get from Diamond, because, right. sweeten the deal. Because you know, I'm giving up my retail space mm-hmm. for something that I know isn't going to sell as much as something that I could put there that would. Right. You know, but now knowing what the costs are, you know, I was like asking for, you know, them to loo- sell it to me at a loss on every one. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it that way, how much is it worth to get your book out to stores?
3: Yeah, it's a good marketing way to get well, yeah, exposure see, and yeah. a new
0: audience. I think that you it might be wise at least at first until you can gain some level of celebrity enough to to warrant looking at a comic book shop as an opportunity for you to generate income with your comic i think that you should look at it as an opportunity to advertise and advertising costs money yeah i mean i spend money on facebook and twitter every week to try and promote our different posts and our podcasts and stuff like that and i don't bat an eye at it because that's how it works you spend money to get exposure and i think that the idea of hey i'm making a comic and I want to sell it at this store and I'd like to make a profit at it, They may that may be a little bit of a pipe dream. You know, you may be happy to break even because then you get free advertising, essentially.
1: Now, do you mind someone, uh, a comic creator, necessarily selling at your store? Like, I, I come into your store a lot, John, and if someone's walking around, I've in the past... I've had my element on the table and said, don't buy that comic. The writer's a jerk. And then they get interested and then I start talking <laughs> about it and it sells.
2: No, I don't. Especially, you know, from like you who I consider a friend or the people that come for the draw meeting groups. I don't. I really don't. And a few years ago, maybe about three years ago, I have a regular customer named Ernest mm-hmm. and him and his sister did a children's book and he works at Barnes and Noble and he's a substitute teacher. So he asked me, he's like, Would you mind if we put together an event on a Saturday, my sister and I will come down and we'll sell books and we can split the profits. And I said, I'll tell you what, you guys come down and I'll give you whatever you sell the book for. You know, I don't, I don't want to make a cent off this because Barnes and Noble, who he worked for, didn't consider it enough of a thing to have them down there. Right, right. So he did that. And as a substitute teacher, he told all the kids, you know, for like a month in the different classrooms he went, it was behind like our free comic book day, it was like the most people through the shop we had for like three hours. That's awesome. And he sold about $1,100 worth of his book, you know, like a $18, I mean, because he had all the kids that he told about from substitute teaching, people from his church, all that. And I thought that was awesome. But how I looked at it was, those people probably wouldn't have known about my store If he hadn't told them about that. Oh, absolutely. It's an opportunity to bring traffic through your door. And, you know, just to get those eyeballs to see my store, you know, even if 10% of them would come in again, it was worth it to
0: me. So then you're saying that perhaps a comic book store owner would maybe be more likely to set up an event than just throw your comics on a shelf. I
2: think that's a better idea. You know, but but the creator himself has to put some work into it as right, well. Right, right. I mean, all any- I did was I was open and gave them a table to sit at. Right. You know, they d- did the work promoting it through their church, promoting it through, you know, the people that they talked to. And, you know, I still have a couple of copies of his book down there on the kid's shelf that, you know, occasionally a kid will say, oh, my, you know, substitute teacher mentioned that he had a book down here and Oh, that's cool. At. That's
3: cool. Yeah. And I think another thing to kind of speaks to size, you said that Barnes Noble was too big, mm-hmm. but the smaller comic shops are more willing to work with you. And I think publishing is really about volume, right? If you're going to try Absolutely. to make money, it's going to be hard to get your comic in that first comic book shop. But after you get that in, in the first comic book shop, it'll be easier to get into the next and then the next. And then you can eventually, even though the margins are lower than con, you can actually build a pretty good network of getting ex- not only exposure, but actually volume. Definitely.
1: I would say that for any independent artist who's coming out with their first book to set up a signing at any store you plan on dropping your, your book off at. Just because if you just take your book to a store and let it sit on the shelf, like I've done with Malaman, a lot of people, they go into comic book stores sort of knowing what they're looking for. Not a lot of people will go buy uh, new independent comics and actually consider them. So it's better if you have that face to face interaction. Mm-hmm. Cause like you were saying earlier, it kind of creates that bond and then it, you start, uh, you know, exchanging phone numbers and going to each other's houses late at night and. Well, I mean, that was one reason why <laughs> <That's>
0: <laughs> Got weird earth. Earth. <laughs> <laughs> No, I've it's never exchanged
1: phone numbers or gone over any of my customers' houses at night that they know of. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> I mean, I was going to go to the point, like you said, that people walk in knowing what they want. That's one of the reasons why I have my store arranged how I do, where everything's alphabetical and it's not like a new release wall right. or a Marvel wall and a DC wall, because I know that if that would happen, that would be the only part of my store that was seen. So the, the way I have it now, they have to walk throughout the whole store to see what's there.
0: Right. And so somebody might catch yeah. something, right? And I don't know so, how many well, yeah, times I've walked through and been like, well, that looks cool. What's yeah. that?
1: You know? Yeah. So it's definitely worth it to set up a signing whenever you drop off your book at any store. Yeah. Even if they might not like
0: work, they might like you and pick it up that way.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: Definitely. Especially if you're going to make them s'mores.
0: <laughs> Especially. <laughs> do sometime you need to find a place that's willing to let you cook a bacon.
2: Bacon s'mores.
3: People
0: s'mores can Every, you imagine if like, you walked into a comic book shop and you're like I smell bacon where is that coming from and you Every just, you're I in the back to. just grinning hi what a comic I get that like uh,
3: fresh cookie smell they use in the houses you know, there you go oh
0: right with the uh,
1: yeah those are the best I'm beginning to become the the marshmallow guy I've, I've been called that a few times because I bring marshmallows to, to the cons the yeah you're getting known to. for that you should get like a it's candle thrilling. that smells like bacon <laughs> but people always say you should bring bacon you should bring bacon <laughs> definitely bring bacon <laughs> so and I'm just like if I brought bacon it would be gone in the first half an hour. Yeah, just <laughs> I did. Like, you can get bacon cost- jerky. Yeah, it's two bags for
2: seven
0: bucks at Costco. There you, for go. Bacon jerky? Yeah. There you go, man. I nice. ate some last night. <laughs>
3: it's so good. Oh, I'm hungry.
0: Why don't we go ahead and take a quick musical break? When we get back, we're gonna continue on our conversation about how indie comic artists can get on the shelves of their local comic shop. You're listening to Geek Live, stick with us. Welcome back to Geek Life, the Indie Comics Podcast. Now, unfortunately, (laughs) the last couple minutes of the podcast got corrupted. Well, not so much corrupted as in there was some kind of technical issues with our recording equipment, and it didn't get recorded. So, it wasn't a whole lot that we missed, but I was able to powwow with everybody and write down some of the things we talked about, and so I'm just going to go ahead and try and share those with you now. One of the things you might not think about, and that's actually a common thing with a lot of Indie Comics, is that they are printed at an odd size. What you want to do is you want to make sure that your comic is either the standard comic book size or smaller. If it's larger, it becomes very difficult to fit onto the shelves. Comic book shop shelves are designed to be able to hold your standard comic books. So if you come in with this oddly shaped large comic, it's going to be yet another challenge to be getting your comic on the shelves. If it doesn't even fit easily on the shelves, they're going to be much less likely to be interested in carrying your comic. So, of course, make sure that your comic is either the same or smaller in size than your average comic book. Another suggestion is pretty much all comic book shops put the most recent issue of a comic series on the front. So, it's very important to always have very compelling, catchy, interesting covers. I know that sounds like a no-brainer, and of course everybody tries to make their covers as interesting and compelling as possible, but something to keep in mind very important to have every single cover be the kind of thing that will draw somebody to it to flip it open and take a peek. So say you've got three or four issues of your comic book up on the shelf, they're not going to see the first issue, they're going to see the fourth one, because this is how it is commonly racked. Another thing that came up in our conversation was that a lot of people seem to want to do fan art. Now this is beyond just prints or things like that that you would sell at a convention, but they're actually talking about doing a fan art comic book. Now, fan art is all well and good until you start trying to sell it. Now, I know you're thinking, hey, people sell fan art at conventions all the time. I've got fan art on my wall from a convention that I went to recently. The reality is, selling fan art is always illegal. People get away with it at conventions on a regular basis, but that's simply because it's difficult to enforce. And actually, you'll notice that there are some properties, especially Disney properties, that people tend to shy away from. A lot of companies are pretty loose about protecting their intellectual properties when it comes to something like a convention because it's kind of a hassle to enforce that. but. Disney's been known to drop the gauntlet. So back to the idea of making a fan art comic or a fan comic, this is not something that you can ever sell. You may be able to get away with it at a convention, like I said, but in a shop, no shop will ever sell anything that has any fan art in it. Finally, just to kind of wrap up our thoughts and bookend this whole conversation, John wanted to suggest this final piece as sort of a general guideline to getting your comic book on a shelf. If you take the time to build relationship with that comic book shop, with the people that work there, with the owner it's much more likely to get on the shelf. All of these things that we've talked about today are going to help you get your comic on the shelves of local comic book shops, but at the end of the day, building a relationship with the comic book shop owner and employees is really the key. If you come in off the street, guns blazing, throwing comic books at people that have never met you before, it's not real likely that they're going to be very receptive. You will find much more success getting your comics on the shelves if you are trying to get it on the shelves of a shop that knows you, that you're friends with, that you're a regular at, so take the time to frequent your shops, go to get-togethers, go to artist meetups, go to game night, be a regular. This is probably one of the most important things about being able to get your comic on the shelves. People are going to hook up and help out. their friends and their regulars. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up the episode. Thanks so much for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners please email us at, at pandamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. You can also email us by going to podcast.pandamanga.com. We have a handy-dandy form on the right side of the page that you can use to fill out and zap us an email. And at the bottom, beneath the show notes of every episode, you can always post us a comment. Please post us a comment. Share with us your thoughts, your interesting ideas, your questions. We're always interested in talking with you guys, and maybe we can come up with a cool idea or an episode. Anyone interested in contributing to pandamanga.com in the form of comic books, Books, podcasts, blogs, articles, anything like that. Visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there, and we will get back to you as soon as possible. Music for this episode has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. Links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit AirPlusRecordings.com. This is JP, and we'll see you next time.